Well, good morning, One Church. What's up? My name is Carlo. I get to be one of the teaching pastors here. Glad that you are connecting with us today. There was a woman, she was getting ready to go to vacation, go on vacation, so she went by her favorite salon to get her hair done, get herself together for this vacation. She's getting ready to go on. She's going to Europe. She's going to Rome for vacation, so she wanted to look right. You know, it's summertime. She wanted to look fresh, so she goes to the salon. thing about her salon is that her stylist loved to complain and gossip about everything. Now, if you're a stylist here, I'm not saying that you love to complain or gossip about everything, but this stylist in this story loved to complain and gossip about everything, tear people down. Her, her attitude was, ah, a little bit never hurt anyone. A little bit of gossip, a little, little bit of hate, never hurt anyone. So the customer sits down in the chair, uh, and, and they, they jump right into conversation, and uh, the customer explains, yeah, we're leaving for Rome in a couple of days, and the stylist cuts her off and says, Rome? Why would anyone ever want to go to that dirty, overcrowded, nasty city? The, style, the, the, the customer's kind of taken back. She's like, well, we want to go, and so we're excited. And the stylist asks her, well, who are you flying? What airline are you flying? And the customer goes, we're flying Delta. And the stylist goes, Delta? Who would ever want to fly such a terrible airline? They're always messing up flights, and, and you're going to have such a bad trip flying Delta. And, and the customer's just kind of rolling with the punches. And she says, well, we, we chose Delta. We like Delta. We're going, and, and uh, we're going to have a great trip in Rome. And then Stylus asks her, well, when you go to Rome, where are you going to stay? Like, what's your lodging situation going to be like? And she explains to her, oh, well, we're staying at this place called the Villa, and the Villa is nice. And before she could even finish her thought, the Stylus cuts her off and says, the Villa, that's a terrible company. Don't you know they're having financial problems and it's going to be, a, you're, you're going to have a really bad time. Why, who would ever stay there? Stay at the Ritz-Carlton. Why would you stay at the villa? It's overrated. It's expensive. I wouldn't stay there if I were you. And the customer says, well, that's where we're choosing to stay. And, and so the stylist asks her, well, when you get there, what are you going to do? What are you, what are you planning to see in Rome? There's lots to see. And the, and the customer says, well, we, want, we really want to go to the Vatican and hope to see the Pope. And of course, you, you can tell where this story is going. The stylist says, the Pope? Yeah, right. You're never going to get close enough to see the Pope. It's crowded. It's busy. He won't have any time for you. So finishes up her hairdo. She pays her. She leaves. Goes on vacation. Comes back from vacation. And about two months after vacation, she goes back to the salon, get her hair touched up once again. And she knows what to expect, that this stylist is going to be ready, guns blazing with her, with her gossip and her hate and her complaints. And so the customer decides to have a little fun with the stylist. They, she gets back into the chair. How you doing? How are things going? Oh, tell me about that trip to Rome. How was it? And she, well, Rome was actually a really, really nice experience. The people were beautiful. The food was outstanding. We had a great time. And the Stylist said, yeah, but I bet your flight was terrible, wasn't it? And she says, no, actually, the flight was pretty amazing. Delta upgraded us last minute to first class, so we got those awesome first class little pod things. We got our own little private suites for the whole flight there. And then when we landed, Delta picked us up plane side and put us in a Porsche and drove us to our bags. It was amazing, out of nowhere. Great trip on Delta. Of course, the hairstylist is kind of shocked. So she says, yeah, but I bet you the villa was a piece of crap, right? Because all the junk they're going through and their financial issues and, and all the, their money problems. She says, you know, we did have a little bit of problems at the villa. When we got to the villa, they were undergoing a $5 million renovation, and they were overbooked. And so they put us up in the president's suite. We stayed in the president's penthouse. They treated us like kings and queens the whole time we were there, all on their dime. It was an amazing time at the villa. Now the stylist is really at a loss for words because the flight was good, the hotel was good, and she's, well, well what, about, what about the Vatican? Did you, did you get to see the Pope? I bet you didn't get to see him. And the lady says, well, it's funny that you asked. 
We were in line in this big crowd at the Vatican hoping to see something, let alone the Pope. And these very official men, they came up and they pulled us out of the line. And they said that every now and then, the Holy Father, the Pope, he likes to surprise guests with a private audience with him. And they whisked us away. And we got to have a private audience with the Pope. 10, 15 minutes, one-on-one, just us and the Pope. And at this point, the stylist's mouth is wide open. She doesn't know what to say. And so she, all she could do is say, well, well, what did the Pope say? And the customer said, the Pope took one look at my hairdo and said, that is the worst hairdo I've ever seen. Who is your stylist? A little bit never hurt, right? I stole that joke from, from Pastor Michael Fletcher. He stole it from somewhere else. That's what we do, preachers. We steal jokes, but you get the point. A little bit never hurt anyone. A little bit hurts more than we realize, doesn't it? A little bit actually stings. A little bit of gossip can ruin relationships. A little bit of anger can, can limit your lifespan. A little bit of toxicity can actually cost you the battle. History is full of stories where battles were lost because minor details were overlooked. Businesses have failed because something that seemed insignificant, just a little bit, seemed like a little thing, it actually became a big problem. Tragedy has happened all over our globe because of a single error, because one person overlooked something that seemed like just a little thing, a little miscalculation, a little misjudgment, a little misstep, and it turns into this big tragedy. As it turns out, sometimes the stuff that we overlook winds up being the most important stuff after all. The saying, don't sweat the small stuff, turns out to be bad advice, especially in battle. We're in a six-week series called Stand. We're talking about spiritual battles, spiritual warfare, this study through the book of Ephesians, and that's what the book of Ephesians is all about, who we are in, in Christ, who we are in God, and this spiritual battle that we've been drafted into when we said yes to Jesus. We've learned that our position in the fight isn't as important as our perspective, being able to see where we're actually at in the fight. We learned that the battle's really won when we trust and what God has already done for us. We learned last week that people aren't the problem. People are the purpose. They're the reason that we're called together and, and God saves us. It's to reach people. Today, we're going to look at the back half of chapter four of Ephesians and the first half of chapter five of Ephesians. And we're going to discover today that we have to put away the small things that keep us from big wins. Put away the small things that keep you from big wins wins. That's going to make sense as we, we dig through this passage. But remember the two ideas we started with this morning. The stuff that seems small and insignificant, the stuff that's on the inside of us is actually the stuff that undercuts and robs us of greatness. It undercuts and robs us of what God would want for us, of the life that God would want us to live even if you're here and you're new to this Jesus stuff, you don't really trust the Bible, you don't know about these Christians, I think you would agree that there is a way to live that is full of peace and joy and devoid of toxicity and, and bad stuff. And that's really our point is when we do things Jesus's way, when we do things God's way, life is better. I'm not saying life is easier. It is a battle and warfare after all, but it is better. And Paul's point, in this section of Ephesians is that we really have to, especially if you're here and you're a follower of Christ, Paul's point is that we have to draw a line 
and live on the right side of that line, live on God's side of that line. So as Paul's landing this theological plane into some really practical stuff, we're going to cover these next three weeks. I hope you'll see that. So we're going to dive right in. We'll be in Ephesians chapter 4. It's going to be on the screen or the YouVersion app if you want to follow along with me. I'm going to start reading in verse 17. Here's what Paul says. With the Lord's authority, I say this. Live no longer as the Gentiles do. So if you haven't been here for the series, Gentiles, remember, that just refers to people who are not followers of Christ, people who are not uh, Jewish Christians. Basically, in, in Paul's worldview at the time, you had Jews who had access to God, and everyone else was a Gentile. Then Jesus comes, makes access available to everyone to come. And so now when Paul's using this term Gentile, he's using it to basically mean people who do not know God, don't follow God, don't have God. So he says, live no longer as those without God do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. Have you ever heard a Christ follower, a Christian, called a closed-minded person? You ever heard that before? Christians are so closed-minded. Some of them are, but what Paul is saying here is it's actually those who are far from God, those who reject God, they're actually the ones who've closed their minds to God. They've hardened their hearts against them. Verse 19, they have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. So if you're here and you said yes to Jesus at some point in your life, you know from your own experience that you were saved from a lifestyle that only led you to failure, to frustration, to heartbreak. Many of us, we could stand up and share our story of, before I said yes to Jesus, this is what my life was about. Then I said yes to him, and now my life is about something greater, about something bigger. Let's keep reading verse 20. Paul says to the Christians he's writing to, but that isn't what you learned about Christ. So he sets them up by talking about the old way, eagerly living this impure life, having a hard heart, having a closed mind to the things of God, practicing this shameful stuff, doing things that we know we probably don't need to be walking in that way. He said, that's what the Gentiles, that's what you shouldn't live your life like that. And then he says in verse 20, you, that's not what you learned about Christ. Verse 21. Since you've heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. That's a critical verse for the next two Sundays worth of messages. Let the Spirit of God renew your thoughts and your attitudes. Verse 24, put on your new nature created to be like God, Truly righteous and holy. That second song we sang today about the cross being enough, that's a song that we sing. You might not believe it yet. Sometimes you got to say it before you, to get it into you before you believe. You need to sing it before you believe it. But that was a song that really encapsulated what Paul is talking about here. We have to take off the old self, put on the new self, take off the lies we used to believe, and put on the new truth of who we are in Christ. Life in Christ simply means to put off the old, to put on the new. In fact, Paul tells the church at Corinth this, anyone who's in Christ is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Everything has become new. And here's what's awesome. Jesus provides the new. 
We don't have to manufacture it. We don't have to go to Lifeway Bookstore and buy it, right? He actually provides the new for us. We don't earn it, but we do have to put it on. Make sense? I don't have to earn the new. Jesus did that for me, but now I have to put that new on myself. Have you ever tried to eat healthy? Anybody? Lots of us have tried, right? Lots of us have failed, right? And are failing, right? I started lifting heavy weights and doing strong man and stuff just because I got tired of trying to, to watch what I eat. Like, just let me lift heavier weights, then I could eat as many calories as I need to eat. And so far, it's working out for me. Don't do that. That's a bad plan. That's just my plan. Uh, but it's hard to just stop eating the wrong things, right? Anybody, y'all awake? That's, it's hard to just quit cold turkey. That thing that you love to have that you know is probably bad for you. You guys know my love affair with sour worms. Sour worms are sugar and poison, and yet... I want them right now. Like, I'd sit here with a bag if this wasn't being filmed, and I'd probably munch on some sour. It's hard to just stop cold turkey. How do you fix it? You have to replace the old with something new, right? And something better, or else you'll just slip back into the old habit. You can't just stop. What Paul is saying is you just can't stop living the way you used to live. You have to replace that with something new. God has already provided you with the something new. You have to turn towards it and actually put that on, start applying and living that out. You say, man, Carlo, that sounds really good in theory. Easier said than done, right? What I love about this portion of the New Testament when we read Paul's letters is he never leaves us without very blunt, very practical applications for all of the heavy stuff that he just told us. So chapter one, two, three, beginning of four, heavy, heavy stuff. Make your head explode, kind of heavy stuff. And then he lands the plane and says, listen, you need to live like Christ. You know what you were taught. You know how Jesus lived his life. You also need to live that way. And then he tells us exactly how to start doing that. You ready? We're gonna go through a long list of stuff and we'll unpack some of that. But here's some of the old stuff that we have to put away take off. And if you're really struggling this morning with, man, what do you mean by old stuff? Practically, help me make sense of it. I'm not going to help make sense of it. I'm just going to share with you, here's what the Apostle Paul says. Here's the old stuff we got to get rid of. You ready? Verse 25. Stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all part of the same body. And don't sin by letting anger control you. This is where Andy Stanley would say, you have to tell anger, you are not the boss of me. Dishonesty, you are not the boss of me. Don't let anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. Remember, this is a spiritual warfare book. This is a spiritual battle book, foothold. That's warfare terminology. Anger gives the enemy access into your life. Verse 28, if you're a thief, Quit what? Stealing. Instead, use your hands for what? Good, hard work. And then give generously to others in need. Verse 29, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and what? Helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them and Do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you 
as his own, guaranteeing that you'll be saved on the day of redemption. Verse 31, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. A little bit. A little bit is a lot. Well, according to what Paul said, yeah, a little bit of lying is a lot. A little bit of deceit is a lot. A little bit of not being honest is a lot. A little bit is a lot, yeah. A little bit of lying hurts. A little bit of stealing, it hurts. A little bit of hurtful talk It's not what God wants for us. It's not the best thing for us. A little bit of bitterness, a little bit of wrath, is that okay? According to what Paul says, you got to get rid of that stuff. A little bit of slander, anger, malice, a little bit of those things will cost you greatly because it never stays small. It never stays just a little thing. It eventually consumes you, and what consumes you is going to control you, and what controls you is going to determine the direction of your life. It's going to determine the way that you walk. If you're an angry person, if you're a dishonest person, if you use your mouth as a weapon against other people, if you hold on to the things that other people have done to you in the past, if you're constantly tearing down someone else, hating on other people, a little bit is a lot. And if we're in Christ, we have to get to the place where we don't make excuses, where we don't say, ah, it's just a little gossip. Ah, it's just a little bit. Never hurt anyone. A little bit is a lot. But here's the good news. Paul doesn't just tell us this list of things to stop doing. He gives us its counterpoint. He gives us something to exchange that with, exchange this thing for this other thing. And a little bit of the things that we're exchanging go a long way. A little bit of truth goes a long way. I know a lot of people who want people to keep it real. Y'all know people who say that? Just keep it real with me. What I've discovered is that most people who say keep it real, they really don't want you to keep it real. They want you to lie. My wife and I have this conversation about once a month. I'll ask her a question, and she'll give me the truth, and I say, why would you say that? And she said, well, don't you want me to be honest? And I say, no. I want you to lie and make me feel good in this moment. I, don't, I didn't come to you for the truth. I came to you to feel better, right? A little bit of truth is powerful, though. A little bit of truth is the game changer. Instead of lying, take off the lying and instead put on truth. Even if it's just a little bit at first, a little bit of truth goes a long way. A little bit of hard work and generosity changes lives. Did you know that? Paul said, stop stealing. Stop stealing. Unless you sit here all holier than thou thinking that you don't steal, I'm remembering you when you're surfing Facebook on your boss's time, right? Oh, y'all got quiet on me now. Y'all want to fight now. Bust a move, right? Let's go. I'm not scared. That man is paying you, that woman is paying you to do a job, and you're sitting there checking your your Etsy store, right? You're sitting there checking your Facebook. You're doing selfies on Instagram while someone is paying you to do a job. I'm not talking about on your break. I'm talking about on your job. You know what that's called, right? Stealing. Stealing. 
I know we got some intense digital pirates in the house. I don't want to step on your toes, but I'm just saying, you know that copyright thing you fast forward through? It's there for a reason. Don't look at me like you don't, you're not a thief. Just because you don't put a gun to someone's head and say, give me your money, you steal all the time. But you think, ah, it's just a video game. It's just an MP3. It's just a whatever. We rationalize it, right? Hard work and generosity go a long time. Paul said, hey, you who are stealing, stop it. Instead, work hard. So you can be generous. Bitterness, wrath, exchange it for encouragement. A little bit of encouragement goes a long way, especially when someone is hurting, when someone is broken down, when someone's not feeling bad. So instead of bitterness and wrath, how about some encouragement? A little bit of encouragement is powerful. And then finally, kindness and forgiveness changes everything. Changes. Instead of slander and anger and malice and holding on to the bitterness, Paul says, here's what you do. Exchange that for kindness and forgiveness. And if you're struggling to figure out how to forgive someone, Paul then tells us, here's how you forgive the same way that God in Christ forgave you. You didn't deserve it. You didn't earn it. You didn't work for it. But because of his mercy and love, his grace, we read about that in chapter 2, God forgave you. What are you holding on to this morning? The Apostle Paul would say, why don't you forgive the way God has forgiven you? Why is Paul going through all of this trouble talking about these little things? It's because of this, chapter 5, verse 1. Here's the main point that Paul wants us to imitate God in everything you do because you are his dear children. And the Carlo International Version, I would say, act like your father. Act like your family. This is the family you belong to. Don't let what's messed up with your earthly father keep you from living the way your heavenly father wants you to live. I know some of your earthly fathers may be the last person you want to compare yourself to. That's not what Paul's telling you to do. He says, imitate who? God. Imitate God because you're his dear children. And what does imitating God look like? Verse two, that means live a life filled with what? Love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. So the goal of life in Christ is to be like him, to be made alive, to be raised up, to be seated with him, to live like him, to love like him, to be like him, to win like him, growing into a a relationship with Jesus Christ, a fully devoted follower of Christ. That is the mission. That is the goal. So once again, Paul lands the plane, and he gives us some practical things. Practically, this is what it means. Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such things have no place among God's people. Sexual immorality, impurity, greed. Why would he mention those things? Well, again, context is everything. Ephesus is this big metropolis type of city, city of commerce, city of idol worship. There's a lot of that going on. A lot of the worship in that that day in that context was sexual in nature. You, you, You could almost say in Ephesus, sex sells. That doesn't apply to our culture today though, right? We've moved on. We've evolved as a species. No, this is exactly applicable to us today, right? Just change the names from Ephesus to Clarksville, and you still deal with some of the same issues, sexual immorality, impurity, greed. We see it everywhere around us. And Paul says these things, he actually calls them sins, have no place amongst God's people. Today we think it's okay 
just a little moral failure, just a little bit of sleeping around, just a little lust. It's just a little porn. It's just a little being drunk out of my mind. Listen, it's the little things that mean a lot. And the stuff that seems small and the stuff on the inside of us, that's often the stuff that undercuts us, robs us of God's best for us. This is not a passage of condemnation to beat you up. This is a passage to kind of show you there's a better way of living. Jesus' way is better. God's way is better for your marriage. It's better for your family. It's better for you, period, if you don't give in to those things. That's why they have no place amongst you. I wish he was done, but he's not done because Paul is an equal opportunity offender. Here's what he says, verse 4. Obscene stories. Every soldier wants to walk out of the room right now, right? Obscene stories. Foolish talk, coarse jokes, these are not for you. Instead, so there's that exchange again. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. So it's a contrast. Honor God. Thank him daily. Watch your mouth. As James said, it's the rudder of your life. Verse 5, you can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. For a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins, for the anger of God will fall on all who disobey him. Don't participate in the things these people do. Paul is saying that stuff doesn't belong in the kingdom of God. That is the stuff that God saved us from. So why would we tolerate living in that stuff? Now listen, we believe at OneChurch.tv that messy people are welcome. In fact, all of us are messy. All of us have our junk. None of us are perfect. We all have things we stumble. We all stumble and struggle in many, many ways. But thanks be to God that he's made a way for us and he saved us from that stuff and he's pointing us and pushing us and leading us towards something better. But just because I'm a, I can come to Jesus with my mess, it doesn't mean that he wants me to stay that way. Jesus raises dead things to give them new life, not so that they can still stay and act dead. Don't participate in these things. Don't play with it. If you are a follower of Christ and you act like you can hold on to a little bit of that stuff, I'm telling you, you're going to end up stuck in your life. You're going to end up struggling constantly. You're going to end up stuck. Instead, put off that junk and put on new stuff. Here's what Paul says. For once you were full of darkness. Verse 8. For once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of the light. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. If God is for it and God approves it, do it. If not, Toss it, because God has something better for you. If God is for it, if God is in it, and God approves of what it is you want to do, then do it. If God clearly disapproves, toss it, because God has something better for you. How do you know if something pleases the Lord? This is the question. How do I know what pleases God? How do I know what I should do? It's a simple question that you should ask yourself. What does love require of me? 
Ask yourself, what does love require of me? If I let the love of Christ lead my decision-making, it makes everything so clear. Here's why I'm not going to steal. It's because that's an unloving thing to do to someone who God's created. That's not loving. Sexual immorality dishonors someone if I'm, that I'm not married to. I can't. That dishonors someone created in the image of God. Out of love, I can't do that. Out of love, I'm not going to tear you down with my mouth because you're loved by God. God's called you his God's called you his child. And I don't know about you. If you talk about my child, I might smack you in the mouth. How much more does God love and care for his children? That's why I'm not going to gossip. That's why I'm not going to tear down someone because love requires of me something more. Let's finish up. Verse 11. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. It's shameful to even talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret, but their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them. For the light makes everything visible. This is why it is said, awake, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Paul's quoting there another passage, verse 15. So be careful how you live. Don't live like what? Fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Paul's saying every day matters. You're at war. You're at a spiritual war and every day matters. So make them count. Verse 17, don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Understand what love requires of you. Verse 18, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's another important verse for the next two weeks. Be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourself, making music to the Lord in your hearts, and give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says, let the word of God, let prayer, let thankfulness flow through you. Make living for God the most important part of your lifestyle. Put away the small things that keep you from big wins. The stuff that's small, the stuff that's on the inside of us, that's where so many of our problems lie. So many of our hiccups, our hangups in life are because we've overlooked some of these things thinking it's just a little bit of this. Little things actually mean a lot and they can cost us a lot, especially in warfare that is spiritual. Follower of Jesus you really can't have and experience this new life in Christ while keeping one foot in the old life that God saved you from. You can't do that and expect to win. You can do it because we're saved by grace through faith, right? My behavior doesn't determine my salvation. He saved me and loved me. I just receive his gift, right? But if I receive his new life, I'm going to become like him. I can't keep one foot in the other and expect to grow in my relationship with Jesus. It's not going to happen. The seemingly small stuff that we overlook that's what messes us up every time. But here's what's awesome about God. And I hope this sets some of you all free this morning. You're a little tense. You need to lighten up. God does not expect perfection. But he's interested in your direction. He doesn't expect perfection. If we were capable of being perfect, why would we need him? Why would we need his Holy Spirit? He doesn't expect perfection. But he does expect us to walk in his direction. Where are you at this morning? Have you been ignoring the little things, tolerating just a little bit of anger, a little bit of porn, a little bit of drunkenness, a little bit of selfishness because you deserve it? Have you been hiding in this bunker 
of self because I don't want to deal with anyone else. I just want to put me for put away the small things that keep you from big wins because little things mean a lot. I pray onechurch.tv that we would commit to stop sitting on the fence in this life in Christ and start walking in these awesome promises of God that we can have love, we can have joy, we can have all this fullness of life that we can show the world, this dark world, that God is for them. We don't have to be judgmental. We can live it out and show them by just asking what love requires of us. It sounds easy. It sounds good. How do we do it? How do we walk this out? Let me give you three things. First thing is the main thing Paul said. We need to look at Jesus. We imitate God by learning about the example of Jesus through his words and through his actions. And there are four historical, well-documented manuscripts that I can go to. Even if you're here and you don't really trust the Bible, you don't really trust what Christians say, I'll ask you to step out just a little bit in faith and trust some very reliable historical accounts, one called Matthew, Mark, the other Luke, and John, the four Gospels, very accurate historical records, hundreds, hundreds, thousands of ancient manuscripts you can test and see that what Jesus said and did is actually reliable. And you can look at Jesus and just imitate him. Just do the stuff that he did. Second way we walk this out is let go of one thing at a time. Some of us get so overwhelmed with perfectionism, we think we got to fix it all or it's all or nothing. And we need to know, no, sometimes it's just one thing at a time. I love hearing a story of someone who says, man, I was on drugs, I was messed up, and then God saved me, and I quit cold turkey, and I've never touched it again, I've never done. I wish that was my story, I wish that was all of our stories. I thank God for those who that is their story, but for some of us, this is a one day at a time type of deal. You know what I'm saying? Baby steps. Not an overnight process. But today, you can actually think in your mind, what is one thing, if you're taking notes, maybe write that one thing down in a secret place. What's one thing that's hurting you the most, that you know it's because you're choosing to do it, you're choosing to put it on, that you can cut out of your life and replace with something God has for you. Start there. Write it down. Call it out. Intentionally say no to anger, to rage, to malice, to slander, to lust, to greed, to gluttony. Say no to it. That starts by you calling the thing out, and letting go of one thing at a time. I can't fix all my issues, but today I'm going to choose. I'm going to work on this anger thing. I'm going to choose to say no. And then finally, once you let go of the one thing, pick up something new. Pick up something new. There's such a thing called the habit loop. And the habit loop, basically to summarize it, it's, it, it describes on a physiological level why we do the things that we do. Our body responds to certain triggers and it chases certain rewards. And there's certain things we do that release certain hormones that cause us to go back and chase that hormone, chase that feeling. And if we're not careful, it becomes this automatic loop and we do it all of the time without even thinking. The human body, fearfully and wonderfully made, wants to streamline everything we do. That's why you put your right sock on before your left sock. You didn't think about it. It, but your body figured out, hey, this is a more efficient way. So you see the sock, the trigger happens, and that habit loop starts happening. And you do it in that order without even thinking about it. Any of you do something without even thinking about it? Some of y'all walked into this room and sat in the same seat you've been sitting in for six months. You didn't even think about it. You smell the, the theater, you see the lights, and instantly your body starts moving you. Not even thinking, boom. And you go right to your spot automatically. Well, that works for some good things, and it also works for some bad things. 
So we have to break that loop by when the trigger happens, we replace what we used to do with something new that'll give us that same feeling, that same reward. This is the power of coming on a Sunday and worshiping. This is the power of praying every day. Even if it's a one minute, Lord, help me not to smack anyone today. Amen. Kind of prayer. That's a good habit to develop. Reading the Bible, getting in the YouVersion app, like we talked about, going through a plan, studying, that's a helpful thing. But you know, something really new that'll change your life, it's being in community getting into a group, getting into small group life. It'll change the way you see the church and see doing life for Jesus. It's so important. We've been talking to you about these short-term groups. They start tomorrow, our first short-term group. We have Life-Giving Marriage. It's going to be Monday nights. It's going to be a great teaching by Pastor Michael and Laura Fletcher from Mana Church. Luther and Rhonda Ramsey are going to facilitate that group. It's an amazing, amazing group. If you're here, you're married, you're a couple, you're about to get married, you need to check out this group. If you're not in a group, if your group isn't meeting, take a couple weeks. It's only four weeks long and, and participate in something new. You're going to talk about communication, love and respect, money and sex, how to not get divorced, all in this awesome, awesome, teaching. Sign up for that group. I'm teaching a group on Tuesday nights called Theology 101. We're going to wrestle with questions like, who is God? Who is Jesus? What is salvation? Who is the Holy Spirit? What does it all mean? Theology is the study of God. So we're just going to systematically, very simple, very easily, very accessibly, we're going to unpack that stuff. You might be here and you might not even believe in Jesus, but you've had some of those questions. You can connect in one of these groups. We have our methods class. Pastor Chris is going to teach this on Thursday nights. This is a how to study the Bible. He's going to talk to you about how to go through and actually make sense of context and keywords and genre. It's a great, great introduction class, how to study the Bible for all of its worth. Maybe you've read the Bible before and just felt stuck, like I don't understand it. If that's you, you might want to take advantage of that small group. And then one of my favorite groups I'm so excited about is called Fully Engaged. It's going to be on Sunday nights starting next Sunday, July 14th. And this is all about how do I grow spiritually? What's my place here at onechurch.tv? What are my spiritual gifts? What has God given me to help me be a, a servant for the church and for the world and for the community? That's a great group that's going to happen. And there's going to be a lot of different people facilitating that group. If you have not signed up for a small term group yet, I encourage you take out your phone right now and text Groups1C to 97,000. Groups1C to 97,000 and get plugged in to one of these groups. Some of us, we, 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 we were okay with taking something off, but we keep falling back into those habits because we haven't picked up something new. Maybe that's something new that you need to pick up is I need to get into group life. I need to stop just showing up on Sunday and I need to get connected. Whatever you do, put away the small things that keep you from big wins. Pray with me. God, thank you so much for the power of your word. Thank you for calling us to so much more. Help us to trust you with all of our hearts, God. And you know what everyone in this room is facing. For the one who's not said yes to you, I pray this would be the moment where they say, God, I'm tired of doing it my own way. I want to follow hard after you. Forgive me for trying to do it my own way. Forgive me for my sin. And God, I thank you for your grace. And I thank you, God, that you are more than able to save. You're more than able to help us all. All of us have stuff that we need to bring to you. And so that's what we're doing right now. God, you see it, you know what it is. Help us to put on your goodness in the strong name of Jesus, amen.